Maybe such a connection to nature would help to make us more civilized. But I was as guilty as anyone. The only tree I knew beyond pines and willows and birches was the black locust, and that was because I liked the way John had described the blossom's scent, like grape lollipops. I passed massive trunked trees standing powerful and alone and imagined how in summer their leafy canopy would provide a gigantic circle of shade. I passed a group of reedy saplings bending like ballerinas in the wind. Willow trees dipped their bare branches into pond water like girls testing the temperature with their toes. I felt a low and distinct kind of relaxation. Time became real. Nature became real. The woods, the sky, the lakes, the high bluffs and low valleys, the acres of spent fields, the muddy riverbanks. Live photos flashed before me. Here, a construction worker eating a sandwich, one foot up on the bumper of his trunk. Here, a woman in curlers, loading groceries into her car. Here, a child glimpsed through a kitchen window, standing on a stool to reach into a cupboard. There, a beauty operator giving an old lady a perm. I saw, in a way I never had before, the beauty and diversity of our earnest labor on the earth, and also our ultimate separateness. This helped my pain metamorphose into something less personal and more universal, something organic and natural, and that helped give me strength. Someone had to die first. It turned out to be John. Nothing more, nothing less. What fell to me now, what I was driving toward, was the creation of a new kind of life, minus the ongoing influence of what I had loved and depended upon most in the world. In a way, my situation reminded me of a little girl I'd once seen exiting a roller coaster at a state fair, all wide eyes and pale face and shaky knees. When her brother asked if she'd like to ride again, she said, Not until I'm way readier. I felt myself trapped in line for a ride I was not nearly ready for, looking back, but moving forward in the only direction I could go. Mile by mile the country unfurled before me, in bright morning light, throughout golden afternoons, under the pastel-colored skies of evenings. Once, just outside of Cleveland, when the sky was lavender and the clouds pink, I pulled to the side of the freeway to watch, until darkness smudged the colors into night. Land rushed up, then fell away, rushed up, then fell away. I became intimately aware of the lay of the land, felt the rise and fall of it in my stomach as I drove up and down steep hills. I deliberately pushed everything out of my head but what was before me. Still, every now and then, a quick thrill raced up my spine in the form of a thought. I am my own again. Sorrow that lay pooled inside me gave over to a kind of exhilaration in those moments. The relief was stunning, though impermanent. One night, I checked into a motel at around ten o'clock. Next door, I heard a couple making love. Their sounds were sloppy and slightly hysterical. Drunk, I thought. I turned the radio up loud, ran a bath, 
and while sitting at the edge of the tub unwrapping the absurdly little bar of soap, I felt the weight of my loss move slowly back into me. After I dried off, I sat before the television and marveled at the drivel that passed for entertainment. I turned it off, finally, then sat at the side of the bed and stared out at nothing. I picked up the telephone and dialed my home number. I heard the characteristic tones, then, The number you have reached has been disconnected. I hung up, closed my eyes, and took in a deep breath. Then I knelt at the side of the bed and pushed my face into my hands. Late in the afternoon of the third day, I pulled over to a frozen yogurt stand near the center of a small town that looked particularly attractive to me. A tall, early thirty-ish man waited on me. He was beginning to bald already and had a distressing complexion, but his eyes, as they...